0: Hey there, listeners. This is Editor Noah here with a bit of a head cold. We had an issue with Fred's connection when we were recording this podcast. I did edit around the places where he dropped out, and Matt and I did our best to fill in the gaps with our questions after he cut out. This interview is still really awesome regardless of that, so enjoy.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 301 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. In this episode, we have an interview with Fred Quarter, comics creator and the creator of Pocketful of Pills. This is Matt and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host, Noah.
0: Hey there.
1: Fred, thanks so much for joining us. Let's uh, let's do as we do when we normally start off. We, we ask for two things. We ask for a quick bio and an elevator pitch about your book.
2: Okay, um, so I just go straight in? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, it's so glad i'm so happy to be here guys uh when i saw what you guys were all about I was so happy to, to jump on the podcast so thanks for having me firstly uh i am fred that guy quarter i am the writer and creator of pockets full of pills um it's pockets with an s full of with an a pills with a z so it's sort of uh sort of weird in that way <laughs> i'll give you the quick elevator pitch as i'm the writer and creator the story revolves around the work of Dr. Rashida Johnson. She's a Filipino-American neurologist. Her boss asked her to make a neuro-enhancing medicine for the US military. She makes it, and it works, but her boss wants more. So behind her back, they start purifying it you on know, these poor little clone monkeys in our prequel. Until it becomes so strong, it's got a new side effect. It now allows it to take her to see another dimension. Now, what I forgot to mention is her boss happens to be the CIA. And the dimension they find is a little place called hell. But they don't get religious, they get nervous. How long for China, Russia, Iran realizes hell is real, but more importantly, that Satan is pure, renewable energy. So they do the only logical thing. they got to find themselves a team of Americans, dumb enough, gullible enough, brave enough to break into hell to try to kidnap Satan for American energy domination. And that's where our story begins. There's (laughs) no good guy, no bad guy, no main character like life. Just characters making choices that lead them straight to hell love it
1: yeah wow if that's just the elevator pitch i i I can't i can't wait to hear more um so noah let's uh let's let you lead off with uh with the first question
0: so fred what was the inspiration behind pockets full of pills is it like because that's a lot of stuff going on at once i'm just curious how that all the elements came together into one story
2: So it was the story I've been writing um, in some way, shape or form since my college years. And I went to school for psychology and I got my master's in mental health counseling and I've always loved comics, but, and I always wanted to be a writer, but growing up, my parents were very much dead set on me getting a job and a career that they thought would actually like allow me not to be living in their house. So they very much discouraged me from becoming a comics creator, you know. So I, I went along with the square plan. And I became a psychologist. I thought, hey, if I can't write crazy stories, at least I can hear crazy stories. I can be, you know, Harley Quinn's boss at the next Arkham <laughs> Asylum. So I, I went into psychology and I'm still writing this story. I'm writing it for no one. You know, I'm just writing it for myself, just sort of going over it in my head. Because I'm still reading comics, you know, adamantly and just sort of building my own story. And I go and start working in this prison program. I did like, um, yeah. right. So, so what most people don't realize is when you get arrested, most areas prison programs should have some sort of psychological element. So the person that gets locked up for a DUI doesn't wind up in the same holding cell of a serial rapist. Because, you know, that will be bad. So you, you're supposed to get like sort of like basic psycho vows, charter vows, And that's what I was doing. I was doing intake in a juvenile prison to make sure that, you know, populations that shouldn't be mixed wouldn't be mixed. And um, my boss basically told me, he said, look, you got to get yourself an artistic hobby, trains or, 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 or join an athletic team, whatever you need to do outside of psychology, you need to invest money and time into doing it because the burnout rate was six months. So she had been training my replacement, you know, the person I was replacing, she had trained like four or five people prior to that. So every six months for like four or five different, you know, um, hires, they were burning out almost like clockwork at six months. So she was really adamant in me getting something outside of psychology to de-stress and she, when she said, you know, do you have any hobbies? It was part of the interview. Do you have any hobbies? Do you like writing? And I was like, oh yeah, I love writing. I'm. I was like, you write? You're like, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do that. Whatever that is, take it seriously. Make it your little side business. Something you can do in the weekends because the workload here is really strenuous, and I need to not be training your replacement in six months. So I took her advice. It was the first time that I'm in this professional. You know, career path because I was told my creative career path wasn't viable. But here I am at the end of my master's program, getting the job that's supposed to lead to psychology. valhalla and they're telling me to go back and start doing art. So I did. I started pockets full of pills, and I end up hiring some artists from from the Philippines. First, I hired my cousin, and he was the artist, and I was the writer. And we had this dream of like, you know, growing up reading wizard comics. He was the writer. I was the writer. He was the artist. And all these dreams, we, we get older, we make our own comic book. So I called him I said, look, this is our time. I'll fund, I'll bankroll everything. Matter of fact, my boss wants me to do this. So I hired him and probably like about a month into it, I'm like, hey, we're going to get those in president and partner his build on me because it's not real to him. My, my boss is telling me I have to do it. You know, I've already created the LLC and all that. And I was complaining to a Filipino American friend of mine, just sort of playing video games with him, just venting. And he's like, dude, hire my cousin. And I was like, where's your cousin from? And he was like, the Philippines. So I hired his cousin via email. And then I hired his cousin's batchmate and his cousin's other batchmate. Before I knew it, I had all these artists working for me for this company that I just started. And it all kind of snowballed from there and eventually i just moved to the philippines and now i run uh one of the only uh american run comic book companies in manila philippines
0: wow that's amazing mm-hmm. um and that actually leads me into my question because i i met you at the asian um fusion uh sorry no the asian night market festival a couple of weeks ago right, that right Where you right. got introduced to the the is that how you got into that as well
2: it's so funny. So my wife and I, we run a um, we run a, a soul food restaurant in Manila, Philippines, and uh, we, we've been doing that for almost 15 years. I've been living in Manila for going on 16, 17 years. And I went there because I was doing art for several different artists. I started working for like rappers. I started doing a lot of their like like album art. And I won't go into what rapper it was, but a rapper I got this deal, and he gave me some money, and he said, you know, if you fuck this up, you know, I'll kill you. You know, he said it really cavalier though, and gave me some money and said to yeah, get this artwork done. And two of my artists weren't communicating very well because you know I'm hiring these people, their friends are friends, but they all aren't friends. And now I've got this, you know, nice sum of money, and I've got an artist that's very serious that like you know it'll break my legs or something if uh, if I don't make this happen. And my colorist and my ink guy's not talking. So I said, you know what, screw it. Like, I got enough money to go to the Philippines. You know, I've been already, I've been working with these artists for a little over a year. And I said, you know what, I need to get them all together anyways. I go to the Philippines and one of the people that they bring to the meeting is not one of my artists. It's just an uninvited guest. And that uninvited guest became my wife. Oh, nice. Right. So, so now... Uh, she she does food, so we we run a food pop up where she makes my grandma soul food, and then we also run pockets full of pills together. So now we do food festivals and comic cons all across the world. Man, that's awesome! Yeah, so, it it all just kind of snowballed. Like it was a very organic situation.
0: That's so cool. So um, we got a lot of what you talked about with how you got your art team together, specifically in regards to how you got your Filipino art team together. But what happened? It you just when you're about to explain what happened to your cousin or no, no is it was it your cousin that you're working with originally? Right. My
2: cousin, Wait, My cousin was the artist that, that you know really yeah. got me into comics growing up. And he was just an he is still an, an amazing artist, but you know, a lot of times when you get to a certain age, you know, you, you stop taking chances. Yeah. And and this pockets full of pills was a huge leap of faith. And you know, he had responsibilities that he just didn't think, you know were worth gambling, okay. and you know he made his choice. So, but it, it, it ended up being the best thing possible. Right. So, you know, I don't, I don't hold any grudges, and I know a lot of artistic people can sort of share in this, in this sort of issue where you go into art with a partner, and one of those partners, whether it be you or them, takes it more seriously, and you know things take off, and the other partner is back living the regular life, and it's like, how do you reconcile that? For me, it's just, you know, it, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Yeah it
0: sounds like it was a destiny almost to, to yeah. get out to the philippines yeah yeah get a team out there so in, what, in the re- yeah, yeah go, sorry, ahead. go ahead no no please go ahead
2: please. The, the reason why i stayed out there because it's like you know so like, why would you leave america for the philippines as far as comics so i was there i think it's the second time i went so i went there and i got everyone together and i met my wife during that time mm-hmm. and i ended up having to go back because one of my artists sort of quit the, the group and i had to like fill that hole. So I had come back maybe like four months later to kind of just sort of get this project off the ground. And my my now wife and the artist, who got together and they said, you know what? There's a Comic-Con coming up and let's let's show Fred what his art could do out here. And they booked a table for me. They paid for a table. They got some stickers. They paid for some stickers of art and they got some some prints and they got me a table at a Comic-Con that I happened to be in town for. And I made more money at that Comic-Con than I did seeing The Mentally Ill. And that's when I was hooked. I was like, okay. Mama, I'm moving to the Philippines. <laughs> and that's why I just sort of, you know, I left my master's degree on the table and went to go chase art.
0: So that was what I was going to ask, because we have a friend that we work with in the Philippines. His name is Alfred. He's... Uh, he's brilliant, really brilliant artist. And uh, he was, we've been talking a lot and I'm like, I want to go down. I want to go to the Philippines to, to hang out with him. I was going to yeah. ask how, how did the cons compare to the Philippines to the United States?
2: It's, it's different. Like cons in the Philippines are tantamount to like, like um, sports events, you know, because you, when you think about it, it's like, the Philippines has this deep, rich culture for for like art. Like they were doing artwork. Well, sort of a back history of why the Philippines is the Philippines is to artists, graphic artists, it, to de, what Detroit is to the um, automotive industry. Like we go to Detroit. Wow. It's like everybody is a mechanic, and you're like, "What the hell?" And it's like, "What do you do? I'm a mechanic." And I was like, "What do you? I'm like, why is everyone a mechanic?" Is because Detroit has that history, right? So after the World War. Um, And after the the A-bomb was dropped, you know, Japan, who had a very negative relationship with the Philippines at that time, but they were, they still were inextricably linked through the Japanese invasion, Japan, their whole Hollywood industry was destroyed. And then America came and occupied Japan and America was still occupying the Philippines. So Japan's anime industry started up because they didn't have Hollywood. They needed to entertain their people. So now they have the same big brother, America, and they have all this cross-cultural linkage because of the invasion. And when the anime industry started to grow, Filipinos became a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes artists. So Filipinos were part of the anime boom from the very beginning. Mm. And then when American cartoons took off, Hanna-Barbera realizing that, I guess through the American connection, open up a a studio in the Philippines. So a lot of like the Woody Woodpecker, the Smurfs and things like that, the background stuff was happening in the Philippines and then being co-signed and credited to American artists.
1: Mm. Mm
2: -hmm. So a lot of Scooby-Doo, all that stuff was actually being done in the Philippines all the way up until um, today. I mean, the last My Little Pony movie was mostly done in the Philippines. Wow. But you you don't get that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember reading about that, especially with, like, uh, not Hanna-Barbera, but, like, Rocky and Bullwinkle and Georgia the Jungle and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, all those Mm -hmm.
2: being done. Matter of fact, it's the craziest thing. I was talking to one of my former artists, Exy Salabera is his name. I'm talking to Exy. He was a 50-year-old guy. Um, He was, like, a friend of a friend that I ended up hiring. Uh, He was really amazing. And I'm just sitting there in, in the Philippines sort of chopping it up with him talking about, I'm talking about what I want to do in the future. He's telling me his career from the past. And he's telling me this story. And I realized I'm talking to him what he was saying. And he was telling me that he started his career as a cleanup artist on the Smurfs. So when you do the cells, there's another guy that gets the cell from the actual artist. like in my cell, i mean, like the plastic cellophane, like where where animation used to be like a flipbook. And that artist would then kind of take like a like a metal like spatula sort of, and like clean the any painting that was outside of the edges. So he started as a cleanup artist on cell work for um, the Smurfs. And his final job working for a U.S. company other than Pockets Full of Pills was he was a floor manager for the studio that was doing sort of like the grunt work, the backgrounds and everything for X-Men, the animated series and from the 90s. So he he would walk up and down the aisles sort of like watching over artists that were drawing the cells for the phoenix saga at the like the, the 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 final episode of the of the x-men series which is now being rebooted and i mean i remember you up know, talking about it because i was talking about like the thing that really hooked me into the sort of like the pop culture of comics the intersection between movies cartoons comic books and 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 just sort of like the folklore of comics and i was talking about how lady Deathstrike was just like just her whole story just sort of like just enthralled me more than anything that I'd seen at that point. He was like, Oh yeah. I, I remember drawing that <laughs> like, Oh yeah. I, I remember I, yeah, her fingers like were really difficult. And I was like, what, what, like, what the hell are you talking about? And like, he was like, you know, he was very matter of fact and sort of laissez faire,
1: you know, like, Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Girl with the long fingers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, actually I worked on that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I realized, that that's sort of the depth of history the Philippines has with the pop culture world. You know, American comics, cartoons, and um, um, U.S. cartoons, I mean, Japanese cartoons, also comic books. I mean, let's not forget Wils Protasio, um, who just moved back to the Philippines. He was the guy that that did a lot of the um, X-Men. I mean, he invented he invented Bishop like over like a week as he tells this story. And Bishop was supposed to be a Filipino. <laughs> yeah, that's why Bishop has curly hair. Okay. And then they later, in post, realized that when they said, I, we need to make a colored character, they realized that he misunderstood them. And they just, they really definitively thought he understood colored meant we need another black character. So when he said colored, he just put a Filipino in because he's colored, right? Like in his mind. And and that and then they he said that the reason the story tells the reason why they um how Bishop got turned from black to Filipino so quickly because he'd already drawn it is just they just dialed his color a little up. so They just they just made him slightly darker and they didn't have to change any of the character design. OK. Wow. wow that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So so when you when you have Comic-Cons, I mean, it's like it's 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 big. It's life changing. People are going there. Comic-Cons are a mix of of like college like like application type things like like will you will you go like a job fair because there's so many people are talented artists and trying to hook up with other studios and network. So it has a professional convention vibe plus it's serious comic con like serious serious collectors because like it's part of their family, it's part of their heritage. Right. It's it's their version. It's graphic arts to Filipinos in the Philippines is what basketball or football is to the African American community.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: It's got it's so, so cool to have people like you on the podcast because we we do every once in a while have someone international on and they get to tell us about what comics are like and it's always sort of like Either it's not too different from how it is over here, or it's like envious, of,
2: enviously like different, right? Or it's like, yeah. oh man, to yeah. live
0: there would be amazing. Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh. Yeah. 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 It's like living in a comic con.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So, so I have a question. So, you, you get this job, and you know the 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 supervisor like, "Hey, you need an artistic outlet. You know, you need right. something to sort of occupy yourself." outside of the stress that you're going to have at the day job and you know you you have this relationship with with comics you you have this love of comics um and it sounds like maybe this story has been brewing in your head for a while but when you get serious about sitting down to to write it what's your process there do you look at books that you love and try to reverse engineer them or do you go back and like you know some of us we we pick up the the scott McCloud, understanding comics like right how did, when you when you decide to get really serious and 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 get into it what what's your process there
2: um well i i'm a kid of of tv my parents were always around but i very much had this sort of like absentee kid like when you hear my story of how i grew up you think that like i was raised in an orphanage because i was so glued to television i was raised by tv by choice and I would sit there and watch liquid television, you know, on, on MTV, like Saturday morning cartoons was like a religion to me. And so w- when I think about comics, I think about everything as an episode of, of, a, of a show. So I very much wrote it as sort of a screenplay. And I was sort of, I recorded myself at first. And then I started like sort of like the little speeches in my head you know, so they became these little, like, uh, little monologues. And then I would sit there and tell the monologue to the actual artist. And then the artist would sit there in live action. As I'm telling this story, that's very much like self-contained as an episode, they would draw the salient images as I'm telling them a story. And they tell me to slow down. And I could slow down, I could reverse because it was a memorized sort of speech. And I I did a lot of, um, in college, I did a lot of um, Poetry. And a lot of my poetry in college, I was part of the poetry club. A lot of it was these sort of like detached monologues from like these different weird character perspectives. So that's very much how I wrote the story. It was like these first person narratives of this story and how these people were interacting with each other. I think a lot of my inspiration came from the movie Crash or Pulp Fiction, where you had this long odyssey about a very short moment but you're telling it from different perspectives and it builds a rich tapestry Um, my favorite comic book that I always try to emulate is The Max Mm. so and that was part of like sort of my liquid television you know you shouldn't be watching this you're a little too young (laughs) with your parents things comics things cartoons for kids all the time but like that the whole concept of sort of weaving in and out of uh um like reality and and sort of like you know is the max really a superhero is he not you know sort of the depravity of the moment can heroes be pitiful you know so i really want to have that feeling that i had and make it seem like a cartoon
0: that's so cool and then um like how many how many issues do you have of pockets full of pills how long have you been going with this
2: so we've I've been writing it for a long time. We've been releasing for about seven years. And I feel like seven, eight, so nine with COVID, but we haven't we kind of paused. So just delete the COVID years, I guess, the last two years. But so uh, seven years of like actually writing and releasing. So we have 14 books.
0: Nice. And the
2: stories are told by three-part overlapping origin stories. So it's six different characters telling their part of a building narrative. And when you read their first second and third book, which is sort of just one, like sort of like a three-part one-shot, their book is very much like beginning and end. But if you read someone else's book, it makes more sense. You know, so you can, like every book, every sort of chapter is listed like like 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, then 2.1, 2.2, 2.3. So you can start wherever you see that first one, like one of that chapter and read that character story and stop. But then as it gets higher and higher and higher, characters start overlapping and certain things that are just sort of like matter of fact will be what was laid out in the character before story.
0: That's amazing. I, I heard Quentin Tarantino talk about recently, like why he tells his stories that way. And it was an old interview, I guess, not recently. So he's talking about telling a story and that sounds like what you're doing, right? Like you're not writing right. a comic. You're not, you know, trying to, do anything like you're just telling a story and this is the best way to tell it which is just so cool right yeah i remember
2: i remember i was i was watching an interview of mark scorsese a long time ago and he was talking about one of my favorite movies casino Mm -hmm. and one of the great things about casino is it doesn't have a plot yeah the casino has no plot it's just something that happened you know like in this story so like it it, in like you know and also fear and loathing las vegas is very similar there's no plot Fear and Loving Las Vegas, but it's an iconic story because life doesn't have a plot. And no matter how zany Fear and Loving Las Vegas is or how over the top violent casino is, they're the same, not just because they're from Vegas, they're both shot in Vegas, but they're the same because as as zany and as over exaggerated as they are, they're more realistic than most movies because life doesn't have a plot. Yeah. So these movies that are sort of like aimless, sort of like explorations of a moment in time, no matter how crazy they seem, they work better as narratives because they don't really have a plot, That's and amazing. life doesn't have a plot. Your day doesn't have a plot.
0: But at the same time, I love that you've got it. you've got uh, government conspiracies, roads to hell, all of this yeah. stuff at the yeah. same time. Right. The setting for these moment explorations it's right. awesome right um, right so do you have like is this a series that will go on forever or do you have like it ends at a certain point the story
2: it it does end it ends in volume two so i i just finished writing volume one okay okay and me and my artist so and it's a it's a weird way of how i i do it too so each Each story, each character has a different artist. So when you're reading the actual comic, it looks different. Mm -hmm. So like Nuke's Hawk is a skateboarder that sells his soul to Satan to win a competition. His story is drawn differently than Rashida Johnson, the actual neurologist that creates the pills and the titular pockets full of pills whose medication then sort of gets dialed up by the government. The, the actual process of dialing up that those pills to turn them into the interdimensional portals they are is told by different artists in the test subjects where you sort of are watching sort of a black mirror type story where these these monkeys these almost objects are the actual you know um, um main character as as you sort of understand the science that leads to these pills that are just supposed to be like these sort of like neuro enhancers becoming something that taps into something different, you know, and then how that wires back into what's happening with Rocket Girl, right? So you have these different feels and these different vibes all sort of layering on each other because life's that way. I, I feel like when you talk to someone, especially in the psychology, in the world of psychology, when you hear someone explain the exact same thing, you know, their life is not different than the most people. Most people's lives are very similar painfully similar pitifully similar but when they tell the story it's almost like you're looking at a different genre Yeah,
1: that's amazing so i have i have a general question about sort of maybe like the blend of like east and west comics like you know Mm -hmm. i'm thinking about like somebody who you know has grown up on big two comics and you know if i think about like a bendis comic you know i might get the avengers sitting in avengers tower you know five, six pages of them just sort of having a mission brief, you know, a lot of like word balloons. But then if I think of something like Akira, you know, I get this big tome, you know, of all of these pages, but I'm just sort of like flying through the pages because it's either, you know, no dialogue or just like right. one word balloon per like panel. So you just sort of, you move really quickly. Do you feel that you maybe have one style or a blend of the two?
2: I believe my artists do. So, I, I like how what we do is a collaborative effort. So, a lot of my artists, you say, Pockets for the Pills is set and made by Filipino artists, and they have that history of sort of going in between anime and, and Western art and manga and, and, and Western comics. So, I, I get a lot of the interpretations, like for, for my artist, Peggy. So, Peggy does um, uh, Chris and, and Nukes. And Chris is Rocky Girl's god sister. She's realizing that things are not quite right with her god sister, who's now her guardian after a series of events. And she's really now that her boyfriend Nukes um, is acting strange after he you know, didn't show up for his competition, his skate competition. So a lot of that has those sort of um, anime feely, touchy feely kind of moments where the face expresses most of the dialogue Mm-hmm. And he's in, in. In a lot of the colors are very tonal, and you get that that kind of um, that that sort of almost lo-fi feel. Then you know, my character, uh, my artist, Jack Flores, who's does Rocket Girl, it's very much high energy, very much Walking Dead um, um, sort of Black Widow comics, where it's just a lot of batons to the face and smashing. Breaking things, you know, broken bones, you know, very berserker esque comics where he feels very western, you know, break things, ask questions later. So, so I I think that dealing with Filipino um, artists and allowing them to express themselves and really put their stamp on the page, you get a lot of the East West that's very much part of the Filipino culture because I mean they are very East West. It's a it's an Eastern country that was successfully colonized by a western country for a long period of time i mean it's one of america's only long-standing attempts at colonialism
1: yeah and it maybe also isn't in a weird roundabout way a way to like handle pacing like with the with the different Mm -hmm. artists like you know yeah um you know when you read a lot of books you know either prose or comics you know you have an action sequence, and then you need to like slow things down. You know, have some character development, give the reader a little bit of time to sort of take a breath and like just process what they had. So maybe all of this stuff that you're combining, yeah, in a roundabout way, is allowing you to do that. To you know, bl- blending all of these sort of influences, you know, two spheres of the worlds, um, in just ways that people go about the the
2: storytelling. Yeah, very much so. And, like, I, and I like the way that, um, and this is not something, I can say I like it for a third party because Pockets is my story, but it's very much a collaborative effort. So the reason why I wound up in the Philippines, you know, very organic. And I remember the first time I really started doing things not filtered through one artist. Before it was, you know, a colorist, and, you know, guy doing ink and a letterist. So I had all these, it was very linear, you know, because that's the way I had read comics were done. But then I got to a point where one of my artists was like, look, I don't like working with other people. I can do everyone's job myself. Let me just do it. So and I was I was jerk Flores. So he just did the entire comic from beginning to end, from from listening to me talk to the final product, you know, and then I said, well, well, well hell, if you could do that, then let me find someone else. who can do it. So I, I would then bring other artists for uh, for other like stories. And they would be like, I don't like that. That's, that's too violent, or that's too sexually charged, or that's too slow. So I'd find artists that wanted to tell one of the characters' stories, which was a chapter. And it was something that they were trying to achieve personally in their own artistic mission. So, you know, you go through an artist alley and an artist is building sort of a book or a body of work that says very much something about the world. And that's what you're trying to say through this character. So you pitch this book. Say, look, I got a three book, you know, contract, but you got to do it from beginning to end. You got to do it from sketch to ink to coloring to shading to lettering. And then you can add it to your body of work. You can you can show people what you've done with me. It can be part of your resume. And it's, and then after you're done with PFP, you can go back to what you're doing, but you didn't really take a break. You express what you wanted to do in your body of work with me. And then and it was a job. Like, I didn't force you into doing a different style of work. I, did, I didn't make an amazing artist that wants to draw fluffy, cute things, do horrible, hard things. They yeah. they they did the fluffy, cute thing with me, and then they went back to their fluffy, cute world and the story progressed. So like our stories, you know, traverse through like uh, the suit slash the machine, junk cyborg attorney. It's a pivotal character in our story and it's cyberpunk. It's very much dark humor, nihilistic cyberpunk. So the artist that it does that um, was very much on that journey. That's the so one yeah. that
0: you sent the LARPing video from. the, the, mm-hmm. the Yeah, which I was, I, once you said that you were big into monologues, I watched that and I was like, oh, this guy's a writer, like a real writer <laughs> with, the, with the monologue. Yeah,
2: writing. yeah, 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 yeah. I so love that you character. Mentioned... I mean, that character is based off
0: of my cousin. Okay, the cousin, so... the artist cousin, or a different cousin?
2: No, a different cousin. A okay, different cousin. A cousin. Okay. That's that's actually uh, an attorney. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you had mentioned that um, you know you're looking at this as as two volumes. How are these? Uh, how are these collected? Are they collected in in single issues? Are they collected in
2: and volumes together. What's what's the process here? I'm so glad you asked. So that ties into what we're trying to do this year as a company. So we're finishing our volume one, which are all like single um paperbacks, and we're compiling everything together in a volume one sort of book. And that volume one, the way it's set up and each character has three part origin stories, they're gonna finally be put into a book as actual chapters. So it's yeah. gonna, it's gonna make a lot more sense, you know, visually. You know, you have all these different titles that are actually different genres and have different main characters. But I tell people if you read them in any kind of chronological order, it's a it's a story that they're telling. They're building parts of a, of an actual event and putting that. By the end of this year, we're going to be finishing Pill and Toddler, which is our last character. Um, he's a he's a, a sort of a, a psychic clone baby. So you know, very much. Very reminiscent. I live in Maryland. So a lot of what happened in Stranger Things, uh, mm-hmm. like like that whole like Montauk project and everything happened here in Maryland. It happened in um in Fort Meade. A lot of it, Project Fire Grill. Um, a lot of what the CIA was doing, because it's all in this area. So I remember I was writing the story and I I was getting my my master's degree and some of the classes were on Fort Meade, Like my like my school for some reason, I don't know why, but they sent me like down the, like down the street. So I went like 45 minutes up the street from my my actual university to take some classes. And somehow through what I was writing, I realized that where I was taking my abnormal psychology class happened to be a place where they were training like, like psychics and for the U S military. And like, you know, so I tied that in and then later, you know, Stranger Things comes out, but Stranger Things is very much about a real project, um, Mm -hmm. project And that's the Montauk Project and all that. And so so Pill and Toddler is sort of like a product of that. It's sort of like a psychic baby. Um, Like what if they took those psychics and realized that the issue with that program that led to it being shut down is that the minds were too tethered to reality. So what they should do is take the most powerful psychics, get their sperm and eggs, dismiss them, create an embryo and then clone the embryo and then use the babies to actually do what they need so pill and toddler is sort of the last remaining baby or toddler unnamed toddler from that program and uh it, it's accompanied by it's sort of like demigod imaginary best friend oh my
0: God. that very
2: much Whoa. needs the baby to stay alive for it to exist <laughs>
0: this book
2: sucks. And, um, amazing yeah this yeah this story is this
1: story is amazing and striking on so many things that I I, I find intriguing and stuff like that yeah. thank you so, thank you so you said a little bit like you know hey this is the plan um do you want to talk a little bit about like you know if anybody's listening to this and you know there's jazzed about this as 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 we are hearing about this like What's the best way to to, to
2: get your hands on or, or to know about when when these stories are coming out? So we are we we are going to be doing a lot more events. Our next Comic Con is going to be Baltimore Comic Con, so we have that coming up, um, and then we're going to be heading back to the Philippines for Comicette uh, in December. But by uh, by January, we're going to be doing a Kickstarter. Nice. So we're gonna be doing a Kickstarter to actually bring these volumes to everybody. Because right now we're very transient and people live in the areas where I do cons, they get their hands on them, but if they don't, they just sort of hear about it. So the Kickstarter is gonna allow us to, and it's not really about like funding. and like, Of course, Kickstarter is awesome for funding, but really what it's about is allowing people from far-flung corners that have heard about it and wanna get their hands on it. It's very much about trying to let everybody be able to get their hands on the book without trying to find me as an indie creator at a con. So yeah, we're gonna be releasing, we're gonna be starting our Kickstarter probably like around January. But in lieu of that, um, I got a bunch of friends of mine, like I said, I really view this as a a cartoon, and I got some amazing um, animator friends of mine and some actor friends of mine, and we're actually gonna be doing a motion comic. And we're gonna be releasing the motion comic episode by episode, each comic book will be an episode. And we're going to be releasing that on YouTube. Uh, definitely, the first episode will be coming out in, by December. So we've got some awesome friends of mine from um, from Netflix fame. So uh, my friend, uh, well, I don't want to say everyone's names, but we got a lot of people from from Netflix that are known artists and known actors that are going to be voicing our characters. That's Dude, awesome!
0: That's so freaking cool, right? Uh, well, we'll be at Baltimore, so I'm going to get everything
2: um, yeah thank you yeah. awesome yeah uh,
0: and i encourage everybody to do that because this book sounds incredibly unique and fun so everybody
2: yeah ready. we're gonna have some cool we have some um, new releases for baltimore and yeah. some awesome variant covers okay. very cool yeah and the, the the two things that i'm excited about is
1: is like you know i'm gonna swing by the table at baltimore pick up as much as i can get and then you know, in January, the 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 Kickstarter is the Kickstarter to, to collect everything, is the Kickstarter mm-hmm. um it's so, like yeah, put everything in the volume... volume. Okay, right. so all... then there's still, be there's volume, still
2: volume two to to look forward to, right? Right, yeah. So the story is the story is very much a volume one, the buildup of introducing of all the characters and the premise and everything, all the way to sort of the road to hell. Mm-hmm. And then there's a time lapse. Um uh, so volume one's called Rise of the Lesser Gods. And volume two is Survivor's Guild.
0: Cool ass names. Dude, <laughs> stop. Thank you. <laughs> you gotta stop selling every every part
2: about this sounds so freaking cool. Oh, gosh. So yeah. So so yeah, <laughs> yeah, volume two deals with the fallout of volume one. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So let's let's do this, you know. Um, you know, we've all talked about the 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 connections that we have. We're all sort of in the same general area, you know. Oh, uh, noah and i are in the odenton area um you know i might be able to throw a rock and hit fort mead from from my house where you uh you took some classes oh, yeah. and stuff like that so um you know we'll we'll hook up in baltimore but let's uh let's pencil in that uh sometime in in january when this when this kickstarter is is coming out that, that we can get back together and talk about the state of all thing, uh pocket full of pills um it's awesome yeah. yeah i i can't tell you how excited i am um just a side note noah and i sometimes we uh we get together and we we draw uh on instagram and it always turns into conspiracy theories and uh crazy <laughs> crazy stories so your your, your comic is, is speaking to us there yes
0: yeah well i appreciate also, that yeah, yeah you said you know like you the look of the The comic is amazing no the listeners can't see it but the shirt you're wearing is totally my style too It gives me like gorillas the band vibes and i love that like it's so freaking cool oh man i was so excited to get this book
1: and we'll have have shirts at um baltimore comic-con
0: yeah oh no you know i'm gonna get one yeah (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so so fred um in between you know now in baltimore what's the what's the best way to to follow you online to stay up to date on all things you know, pocket full of pills and, and, you know, anything else that you got going on. Um, where's the best places
2: to check you out online? Facebook and Instagram. So like we simul post on both platforms. So it's pockets with an S, pills, or oh, well, pockets with an S, fulla with an A, F-U-L-L-A, then P-I-L-L-Z. So pockets with an S, fulla with an A, pills with a Z. You sort of type that into Facebook or Instagram and you'll get everything we have coming out Um, all of our announcements of where we're gonna be. And as sort of the Philippines comes out of COVID and there's more events and I'm behind the scenes doing this production, we're gonna have a lot more dropping and I'm excited to really sort of like jazz up our, our, our YouTube sort of channel, which we've had for a while, but with some actual serious content of releasing these episodes. So I'm really excited for that. Very cool. Well, I'm going
1: to link both of those in the in the show notes the the IG and the Facebook just so people can check it out because you know I've been looking at that stuff and uh, you know I definitely got to pick up some physical copies at at, at Baltimore so that that's really awesome. Um, oh, so, Noah, yeah. as we get ready to close out, um, I know you 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 set up this interview, so do you do you have a last or final thoughts or questions for us? Yeah, and it's
0: completely unrelated, but where do I get more fried watermelon? That's what I oh. don't
1: know.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Check
2: us out on Instagram at deep fried watermelon. Okay. And on Facebook, oh. the company is called Maryland Chicken. So, so it's, it's we run the only soul food restaurant in Metro Manila. And one of our craziest things is my grandma's deep fried watermelon from Mississippi, made in my wife's Filipino cooking style. So we're the only place in the world to get a Mississippi oddity. And only a whole slice on a wooden steak battered fried with a little powdered sugar. That, <laughs> take, that, that weirdness. Southern goodness and turning it into a Filipino street food. So that's what we've sort of been known at for. So when we're in the U S on Instagram, we're just deep fried watermelon. And back on Facebook, we have our full menu at Maryland chicken and that's chicken with an A. Okay. Very cool. I need more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Vince we might Jones do a crossover. Yeah. 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 We might do some sort of crossover. You, you see uh, like hungry, uh, like the, the board eat club doing um hungry and bored. So, we might, we might do some sort of pockets full of pills, barrel and chicken crossover, do a little pop up. Awesome. Nice.
1: Very so, cool. um, as we close up here, I just want to thank everybody for listening. If you give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on social media. Our Twitter is at Construct Com Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. Um, Just once again, thanks everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.